This podcast is brought to you by Legend Comics and Coffee in scenic downtown Benson. Check out their new location. It's gorgeous. And by listeners like you, you can click on donate on twoheadednerd.com or head to patreon.com backslash twoheadednerd and become a monthly supporter. Our story this week picks up where we left off last week. Broadcasting from the Ziggurat at Omaha and Caverns deep below the metro area, it is our pleasure to welcome you to episode 727 of the Two-Headed Nerd Comic Book Podcast. I'm your head, number one, and my name is Matt Baum. I'm the internet's Joe Patrick, and I'm your head, number two, this evening. It's time for the first new comics review show of the year. We'll review a pile of new funny books from the last two new comic book Wednesdays, and after that, we'll set you up with our must-read new comic picks for next week. Finally, we're going to get a sampling of our Patreon Extra, where this time Echo premiered on Disney+. Plus. So, it's time for another edition of Nerd TV! Well, enough talk! We watched a lot of great fight choreography last night, so if you're a creator of one of these comics, prepare for an all-out attack on your creative soft tissues, because it's review time in the ziggurat! <laughs> on our new comic review show, we review six comics from last week, and we review six from this week. And then we lick them, we slap them, and we rub them down with our three-point rating scale of buy it, skim it, or leave it, which, as a lot of you already know, makes about as much sense as most Bell did to It's true, Matt. In our first new comics pile of 2024, The House of X Falls, Ultimate Spidey gets an older groove. Sabretooth makes a huge mess. Oh, my God. <laughs> We check in with the powers of X 10 damn years from now. It's the powers of X and, you know what, and the fall of X. Yeah, you know, we're, we're falling in there and we're powering. Yeah, yeah. But it all starts with THN taking a knee before one of Superman's biggest bads. New comics from Wednesday, January 3rd. We begin. With Neil before Zod, number one from DC. It is 36 pages. It is $4.99. It is a comic book that I was not even aware was coming. It is a comic book. By one of my favorite writers, Mr. Joe Casey. The cover by Jason Sean Alexander. Art by Dan McDade. And colors by David Barron. Letters by Troy Pateri. Here is your solicit. Zod rules a world of his own! General Zod was Krypton's most notorious criminal. Now he has an entire planet to rule, dash. But what happens when the most dangerous individual in the universe gets everything he ever wanted? Obviously, he wants more, and he'll stop at nothing to get it. In the most brutal series you'll read this year, I think Saber Wolverine 41 is going to take umbrage with that, um. but we'll get there. <laughs> this is not a hero's journey. This is a dark ride brought to you by the sick, and twisted minds of Adventures of Superman writer Joe Casey and artist Dan McDade in his monumental mainline DC debut for General Zod and his family. The descent into hell has just begun! Yet Joe Casey has not written Superman for like 15 years. So Joe Casey was one of the writers. Uh, there was a Superman title kind of overhaul yeah. in the early 2000s. Uh, and that's where we got the Jeff Loeb and McGinnis Superman. Right. It was the year 2000. Yeah. Uh, 1999 leading into 2000 because there was that Y2K storyline. Right. Um, uh, Joe Kelly and Phil Jimenez. I believe it was Phil Jimenez. It may have been Phil Jimenez on covers. Could, I think yeah. it was Kano. I think it was actually. on the covers. Kano. It was it was uh, Joe Kelly and Kano on uh, Action Comics. 
Mark Schultz and Doug Mankey on Man of Steel. And then, of course, Joe Casey uh, and then uh, Mike Waringo and then other future artists on Adventures of Superman. So, yeah, it's been a long time. Joe 23 K- years that was. Joe, well, I mean, he wrote years a ago. little bit of stuff after that. But, yeah, Adventures of Superman. But not definitely. A, like and he ended that up, was his big run, though. He ended up bailing on Adventures of Superman because they forced one of his stories into an Our, our World at War tie-in and he was like this yeah. has nothing to do with that he was so right. pissed <laughs> i don't blame right. him i was shocked to see him back on a dc superman title though with absolutely no fanfare from dc's pr at all this guy is fairly famous okay i'm just throwing that out there the good, i mean the know. good news is joe hasn't lost a step and slips back into writing a superman villain like he never left here, Zod is dealing with his own family issues while he's trying to resurrect Kandor, but he's not quite the same sweet dad as his arch nemesis, Soups. <laughs> not afraid to smack a kid around when they need it, I guess. That is the truth. Well, that kid did need it. Yeah, he's a piece of shit, and he's got a terrible haircut. Just look oh, at his haircut. It's so God. bad. Dan McDade seemed like a strange choice for a comic about a Superman villain, and while the story takes a minute to kick in, when McDade gets to the action, he is amazing at illustrating Zod mutilating a group of cooned raiders. He has some great panels of Zod obsessing over the bottle city of Candor that gave me these sort of like classic Flash Gordon vibes too. This book looks great. Apparently, it's a new ongoing series, I guess. So Weird. as long as Casey's at the helm, I'm on board. I love that McDade is getting a big shot like this too. Can't wait to see more. It is a buy it. Yeah, it's great. Uh, Matt and I talked a little bit about this a couple of nights ago. We were like, we don't read previews anymore. We used to do a monthly previews dive, but it it took so much prep and it was long and ponderous. So we don't really pay much attention to previews anymore or to the solicits. We do. And we so pay we, some attention to solicits. And a I feel little. Like we just missed this. I don't know. Well, I mean, it's not like we, like, I don't religiously read the solicits. And so unless there's like a news story saying, hey, guess what? Joe Casey is doing the Zod book. I probably am not going to see it. And I didn't. Yeah. So when this was on the list, I was like, what? And so Matt and I were both I think very just got confused. buried in the Beast World stuff because this, that was like the big story for this. There's a lot of other stuff going on. Yeah. 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 And also Superman, uh, the action comics kind of soft creative relaunch. Yeah. Jason Aaron, which we'll talk about in a little yeah. bit here, but I think it just got buried. Yeah, lost in the shovel, but it is great. Uh, there's also a lot of continuity stuff that that is so difficult to remember. Uh, I know that Zod's kid was introduced in the Jeff Johns Richard Donner arc of Action Comics, Last Son. But this is, and like he a, was a sweet little kid, and he right. was going to be raised by the Kents before he got sucked back into the Phantom and Zone. And he was like Superboy for a second, apparently. I don't not know. Not really. Not really. Uh, okay. I, not, I mean, not really. That was one of his aliases listed on fan. Well, so. sure. But like, not, not really. That was kind of like a wink, wink kind of thing. Oh, all right. And, and, and but this version of Lorzod, right? Lorzod. Yes. Is completely different. And I don't remember where he first appeared. And this stuff with Zod I, ruling over new Krypton. I've got I it in our it notes. Came, I've got it in our show notes for, oh, did, you, I, uh, yeah. did it come from the, Bendis run, like I said? No, it was. Or from Bendis's like Man of Steel miniseries? No, something like Dan that? Jurgens run in 2017 is where we find we oh. saw this new version. 
Yeah, it was so action it, it comics. Is like the, it is like the restored city of Candor. No, is it even the city of Candor? No, this is a new planet. This is a new planet. He's named New Candor. He has named New Candor, and the plan is: I now have the technology to free everyone from the bottle city of oh, Candor. He's got the bottle and rebuild Krypton. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Okay, this is all sounding very familiar. Yeah. Now, but it was so long ago. And I don't know where he re- made a planet or like we've started had a rebirth. Doing this, so we've had a rebirth and a and a dark crisis and an infinite frontier since then. Yeah. Like there are so many things that have happened. There are so many cosmic upheavals that have happened. It's actually a plot point in this week's issue of Action Comics. Yes, and so like things are just getting lost in the shuffle, and so. It, don't worry about it so much. Just roll with it. Everybody knows who Zod is. It's a great story. Dan McDade is awesome. He's so good. Zod, so good. Zod flies through it, dude. It's <laughs> yeah, gross. <that> awesome. <laughs> yeah, uh, this is a buy it. I liked it quite a bit. Who is this Superman? You'll find out, General. And when you do, come to me, Superman. If you dare, I defy you. Come. Come and kneel before Zod. Let's take things down to earth for Pine and Mary Mac number one from Boom Studios. This one's written by Kyle Starks with art by Fran Galan. I like Galan. The accent's over the second A, so I I don't think it's Fran Galan, though that is fun to say. It's more fun to go, oh, Black Betty, Fran Galan. Fran Galan. (laughs) Yeah, no, I totally agree. (laughs) Letters are by Pat Brousseau. It's 32 pages for $4.99. Here's your solicit. On the corner of Pine and Merrimack sits a small, unassuming town. Just a simple place, simple people, and one horrifying secret that could change everything. After a lifetime of witnessing the worst that humanity has to offer, former homicide detective Linnea Kent has decided to put all of that behind her, alongside her husband, a former professional MMA fighter, and the unofficial brawn to her brains. She's moved far from the busy city to open up a quiet little detective agency. At first, the simple cases this nook of the world has to offer were exactly what she was looking for, but there's more to the quaint Hamlet than Linnea could have possibly imagined. And something truly sinister pulling the strings. Eisner-nominated scribe Kyle Starks of I Hate This Place, Creepshow, and the recently finished Golden Beppo Award winner Peacemaker Tries Hard, is joined by fan-favorite artist Fran Galan, or Fran Galan, uh, who I guess drew The Amazing Spider-Man. I've seen Fran, we've seen their name before. I just can't remember exactly where. For an unexpected detective tale perfect for readers of Reckless and The Department of Truth. That is, that is a, that is a gutsy comparison, Kyle Starks. Starks brings the strong character work that's become his hallmark to his newest series. Linnea's tragic backstory is the sort of thing that would have been fodder for another cookie-cutter, damaged gumshoe story. But the relationship between her and her husband, Parker, offers a refreshing change of pace. I love the dynamic between them, especially the added touch of his constant shitty gifts. Like, in one scene, he gives her an air freshener from a gas station. It's like, I mean, my love. He's I, a lug. I get, Come on. No, I think, but I think he's like, he's doing it to be silly. It's very romantic. Yeah, it's cute. But that warmth doesn't make Pine and Merrimack a lighthearted romance. There's still a dark plot building under the surface. There's still a dark plot building under the surface. A sentence I pasted in here two times. And of course, the brutal ultraviolence brought to life by the tremendous art of Fran Galan. 
Pine and Merrimack number one kicks off what looks to be yet another winner from Kyle Starks. And Galan's art is bloody and beautiful. This gets a buy it. Yeah, I thought this was great. I, we come to expect certain things from certain creators. And I'm glad that Kyle Starks, I mean, he's not like jerking his knee so violently to show you like, oh yeah, watch this. It's all, you know, yeah. penis horror or something. Right. I mean, it's like, it's, it's really well done and you can still feel really Kyle Starks something, there. It's not really something you expect from a guy who's known for like old basketball player that fights Dracula. Right. You know, right. <laughs> that kind no, of thing. No, like he's done a lot of funny books weird. and this is a little more serious yeah. and it's great. Fran Galan also worked in Campisi. The Dragon Incident, which we both really liked. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's yeah, the yeah. one. And we we loved that book. Uh, also worked on the recent Werewolf by Night special at Marvel, which was we so We loved that good. issue. Yeah. Frank oh, Galan, yes. Fran Galan, I'm going to pronounce your name wrong because I just think it's more fun. I think you kick ass. And this art in, is in a, in awesome. a respectful way. Yeah, Not yeah, in yeah. an offensive way. Like, we don't. That's what I said. It's no, more fun no to shit. say. It's, so deal with it. You know. I love this. I thought it was great. I'm giving it a buy it. This is a fantastic looking comic book too. Yes, indeed. The colors are beautiful. Absolutely gorgeous. The moon laughs knowingly. The moon laughs. The moon. The. (laughs) I know I told everybody that Moon Knight was dead. It turns out I was wrong. He's back. In the pages of The Vengeance of Moon Knight, number one. Um, I don't think Matt, anyone could have seen this coming, though. That's, never mind. Don't worry about it. Okay. Just keep going. It's all right. This don't is from Marvel. It's 40 pages. It's $5.99. It's written by Jed McKay, cover by David Finch, art by Alessandro Capuccio, colors by Rachel Rosenberg, and letters by VCs Corey Pettit. Here's your solicit. Clad in the black of morning, the midnight mission remains, but who is left to keep the faith? And how have they been changed by the Black Spectre's masterstroke? That's, you know, when he killed Moon Knight. The next chapter of Moon Knight starts here as the congregants in the Midnight Mission pick up the pieces and carry on the mission and find themselves face with the mysterious new enemy in eerily familiar vestments. It's Moon Knight. McKay's Moon Knight got a few mentions in my best comics of 2023, and he brought the whole creative team along with him to continue the story after Mark Spector and his other two personalities died in the last issue of Moon Knight. I suppose this issue spells out the story well enough for new readers, including Moon Knight's death and the mission of the Midnight Mission. McKay does a great job with the remaining crew trying to carry on with Mark's plans while dealing with his death. We even get a great thing appearance at the funeral. The whole Shiva thing was wonderful. Oh, it was great. Like, and wanting to set Shiva for, yeah. for Mark. Capuccio's art just seems to keep improving, and while Finch is drawing Moon Knight like he's been working out with the Hulk on the covers, when we do get a glimpse at whoever is wearing the costume, now the character isn't quite as ripped, but it does look scary as hell. Capuccio's Tigra as well. There is a Tigra panel where she is scarier than I have ever seen her. I loved it. (laughs) If you're having fun- It's easy to forget that Tigra is a a, a horrifying warrior creature. Yeah, not just a sex pot with fuzz that, you know. (laughs) Right. (laughs) If you're having fun with this run, you'll be pleased to have a whole gang back on both the creative side and the Midnight Mission team. Props to Marvel for letting McKay tell his 
long-form Moon Knight story. I am thrilled to have more of this. Buy it. Yeah, buddy. They don't. They didn't even didn't miss a beat. I, like I don't even think there was a whole month in between uh, the death of Moon Knight and this issue. I mean, probably. You know, maybe. <laughs> um, I can't believe there was ever a time when I thought that Capuccio wasn't maybe the best artist for this. I I always like, told you. Oh, I think that when we read number one, I think both of us, uh, me for sure. You for sure. Go back and check the record. We're like, mm, I don't know about this guy. I dig This it. art is fucking gorgeous. Yeah. This comic book is stunning. The identity of this new Moon Knight, whoever he is, uh, is neither here nor there. I love that it's such a complete, like, oh God, I don't want to spoil too much. Uh, scrap that. I'm not going to say what I was, right, uh, right. was going to say. I love that his dynamic, the new Moon Knight's dynamic with the Midnight Missionaries is different than what Marx was. That's all I'll say. Fair enough. And uh, I'm I'm here for it, man. I want to see what, what goes on with that. I love that Reese has kind of adopted the role of like head. I don't know. She's not a priest of Kanshu, I mean, she, but she's, she's running still the mission. like. She's running the mission. That's yeah, she's like the the deacon or whatever, right? Yeah. I don't know. Insert Hunter's Moon is allegory their, here. Is their priest? Yeah, like, we still Moon got a guy, priest. so we're good. <laughs> you know. And I'm glad, and I'm glad that, like, slight spoiler, but I'm glad that the new Moon Knight isn't just Hunter's Moon. Yeah, I am too. Well, you know, Hunter's in a Moon different costume that would have been too easy. But Hunter's Moon's like, I don't do your job. That's not right. That's not me. I'm a different thing. And right. look. We bag on Marvel a lot for restarting stuff and being like, it's a new Captain America and he's doing this now. Like, this is the way to do it. Tell his finite story, bring it to an end. And then you, if you want to restart it with a new number one, go for it. But make sure it's different and it's carrying on with what was happening and whatnot. Yeah. I'm not saying that this latest cap is not. But it's just like, you know, we started Cap when something that could have been a miniseries or whatever. You the, know, new, like, the latest Cap is not. This it's fine. It's fine. Hoping it was going to be. I'll say that. But I, I, I agree. Like, I think that, yes, I think ultimately all relaunches are motivated by sales because otherwise, why would you bother? But this is as close to like an organic, natural, like, this chapter ended and now, or this book ended. And now this is the start of a completely different book, like literally. And it, it works. And McKay kills it. The art gorgeous, huge by it. Yeah, man. Tiger is scary. Hey, Hawkeye, I wanted a real workout. Tigra, why didn't you say so? While we're on the subject of fuzzy creatures with breasts, let's talk about Packlist number zero from Image Comics. For the record, THN is very pro fuzzy creature sex worker. Okay. We support you. I mean, yeah, 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 no judgment. This is written by Dustin Weaver with DJ Bryant and Alan Warner. Art, colors, and letters all by Weaver. It's 56 pages for $5.99. As we say, it is a beefy boy. Here's your solicit. In this special standalone issue, a diverse collection of never-before-published comics from creator Dustin Weaver. It's got superhero action, space opera, space comedy, cyberpunk, slice of life, 
And yeah, hard boiled anthropomorphic mice and the mouse strippers that love them. Much of this material is not likely to be collected later. End of solicit. I think it's the other way around, probably. <laughs> Maybe. Strippers. Yeah, right. Yeah, like, The probably. strippers don't love them. They do that to make money, you know? Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's a job. Uh, we reviewed the first issue of Packless, Dustin Weaver's sci-fi anthology series, when it came out a million years ago, but I have zero memory of it, and I never kept up. That is no problem with this Zero issue, which collects material from seven different stories that Weaver started and in some cases never finished between 1996 and 2003. As can be expected from any anthology, especially one created by an artist as raw as Weaver was in the beginning, the stories are all over the place in terms of quality. The sources of his inspiration are obvious. Frank Miller's Sin City was all the rage in 1996. Surprise, surprise, sexy mouse detective man. <laughs> you know, one story even started its life as a Wildcats tryout circa the Scott Lobdell and Travis Cherist relaunch oh, yeah. in uh, around the, you know, 2000 or so. Pretty sure there's some John Sable worship here, you know, and like <laughs> all kinds of <laughs> yeah. like it's a lot of it. It wears it wears, it on, wears the inspiration on its sleeve. The names have been changed to protect the innocent, as they say. My favorite of the bunch was Bluebirds, which is basically Reno 911 in space. It was legitimately funny. Uh, I, I, I really laughed, and the art was great. Are all the stories bangers? Of course not. The best part, though, is seeing the exponential artistic growth that Weaver experienced from story to story. It's, it's neat to see an artist's evolution all at once like this. You don't often see it. Like, the rat story was 1996, 1995, and it's rough, man. Yeah. And then the next one is 1996 or 7, and it's a little bit better. And then the next one is 1998, and it's much better. And it's just like every time it jumps in time, he is doubled his powers as an artist and and – leading to where he is now. Packless number zero probably isn't the best issue to bring Weaver any new converts, but it did make me want to revisit the ongoing series and see what I've been missing now that he's a fully formed artistic presence, you know, doing his thing. I'm giving the zero issue a strong skim it. It's, I'm, it's not all great, but as an exercise, I really enjoyed my time with it. This is kind of a... It's sort of an inside baseball kind of comic, sort of. if you ask yeah. me. Like, I think it's very brave that he published this, honestly, because, I mean, right. to go back and show, like, hey, when I started, I was rough as hell. And and like you said, seeing him improve and improve and improve, it's very interesting, but I think it's interesting from the point of view of other artists that are working in the industry right now or people that yeah. are curious about or comic aspiring. book art yeah. or looking, yeah, to, to improve, you know, or just... Yeah. Looking at the process, basically, because he's not showing off his storytelling abilities. He's showing off his exercise. This is the boxer, you know, sparring, basically trying yeah. to get better and figure out what they do and aping people and stuff like that. This is the kid. Like, liter- like literally the second chapter of the rat story ends in mid sentence. Yeah. This is a kid because putting he on never headphones and sitting down in a drum set and playing along to songs to try and get better, yeah. you know? So it's, it's very cool. It's very interesting, but I can't really suggest it 
otherwise. You know what I mean? So I'm going to give it a skimming as well. I think it's very brave, but I, I think this is almost more of like a procedural for, yeah. for aspiring artists. I, and it, as a, it's brave. It really is. As a collection of narratives, no. But as yeah. a, a creative exercise for those that are curious, then yeah, absolutely worthwhile. Definitely. And I can see why somebody like, not to, I'm not like saying anything about my own aspirations or, but you know, I do, I do draw, but for somebody like me, it probably means a little different than it would to somebody who has no interest in pursuing a career in the arts. There may be a new Planet of the Apes movie coming, but Marvel can't stop thinking about the old school Planet of the Apes. So get ready for Beware the Planet of the Apes. Number one from Marvel. It's 40 pages, $5.99, written by Mark Guggenheim. We haven't heard from him for a while. He did an AWA thing a couple of years ago, I believe. Covered by Torin Clark, who is exceptional. Love that cover artist. Art by Alvaro Lopez. Colors by Alex Guimareres. And letters by Joe Caramangia. Hold on now. <laughs> I got to screw somebody up really bad. <laughs> he doesn't get a V. Joe doesn't get a VC. This is a Marvel book. It was just listed as Joe. I don't know. I don't know if it, like when you're working on Planet of the Apes for 20th Century Lic- Fox. Licensed comic, They don't want maybe. that gangster shit around. You know, maybe. They're a yeah, little. <laughs> maybe. Here's your solicit. Into the Forbidden Zone! In a hostile world run by aggressive gorillas, scientists Cornelius and Zira are the only apes alive who see the value in the mute, dumb human race. But even they know human capabilities have severe limits. They still do. So when their nephew Lucius goes missing, it is with great trepidation that they turn to a human ally, a young woman who will someday earn the moniker Nova which means something to people who watched the original movie, but I forgot. It's been so long. Steeped in a love for the classic tales, Mark Guggenheim and Alvaro Lopez series will take the Planet of the Apes legacy to explosive new heights, and it all starts here! So rather than giving readers a prequel to the upcoming Planet of the Apes movie, Mark Guggenheim takes us back to the 70s for a romp through the ape world Charlton Heston would crash land on later. Guggenheim is definitely a fan and did some real homework to get the tone perfect. The story begins with excerpts from the classic Marvel adventures on the Planet of the Apes by Doug Mensch and George Tuska that is beautifully recolored. When Lopez, yeah. I like, I really liked seeing that. I, I, thought I did that too. Was that was touch. a fun touch. When Lopez takes over, the story jumps forward and his art is gorgeous. He's not trying to do the same thing, but he maintains a look and style of the seventies apes franchise while doing an excellent job making each gorilla or chimp look like a distinct emotional character as a fan of the classic planet of the apes franchise i really enjoyed this but i have to wonder if there is appeal here outside of aging fans who fell in love with these apes because their dad took them to see a double feature at a drive-in theater in the early 80s which was 12 to 15 years after the first film premiered i'm gonna give it a the answer is no i'm gonna give it a buy it because look look this is a good planet of the apes book but this one is probably only for fans of the old school movie franchise i can't give this more than a skim it and it's not because it's not I totally it's get not it. because it, it's it's perfectly fine. It, it, it's it is a comic book from start to finish. It is competent, competently executed. I did like the art and I did like the um, kind of flashback to the 70s story. I thought that was a nice touch. 
However, I do not give a shit about the Planet of the Apes at all. I barely, I don't even care about the new movies. I saw the first one with uh, uh, James Franco. So I good, it was, dude. Oh my I God. Know, and I need to watch them, but I've only seen the first one. And I was like, yeah, that was good. That's and I've Batman never watched director another Matt second Reeves of it. made those. He's great. I get it. I, it's just, I, I don't care about the Planet of the Apes. I have no affection for it. Okay. Before you completely destroy your credibility here, you will admit that it is possible to tell a good story in that world. Yes? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You like no okay. judgment. You I, know, I don't care. About, I just like, wanted you to be able to say that. So. <laughs> there's a lot of things I don't care about, but I'm not going to say that a story, a good story is not possible. Like this week's Rebel know, Moon issue, so much better than the movie. <laughs> oh, did you actually read it? It was actually not bad. Yeah. Oh, boy. The movie was like I said earlier, the movie was like having your teeth slowly ground down. <laughs> yeah yeah no i like i'm not i'm not saying uh, like i'm not casting any aspersions i'm not saying planet of the apes is bad i'm just saying i don't care and so i'm not the audience for this book it's a skim it because it's it did its job but i agree with you that it's really going to resonate with existing fans of the franchise yes. and i am not part of that and i agree my bias is tinged by the fact that i do love this old stuff you know, and it, it, like in reality, is this good enough to like break boundaries and make people care? Probably not. You know, but if you loved it, you'll love it. You know, <laughs> uh, I will admit this dark truth. I did see Tim Burton's Planet of the Apes in the theater. Jesus, pure garbage. Pure garbage. It was, it was very bad. I stood but up and not, booed in the in that movie. <laughs> that's not. That's not what. Uh, that's not what robbed me of my apes fandom. I, I've never cared, even as a kid. All right, let's get to the meat of the matter, the stuff y'all came to hear. It's the fall of the House of X, number one. It's from Marvel Comics. It's written by Jerry Duggan with art by Lucas Wernick. Colors are by Brian Valencia. Letters are by VCs Travis Lanham. It's 40 pages for $5.99. Here is your solicit. Krakoa has just begun to fight. Mutant kind has never had a greater fall. From the highs of Krakoa, their own glorious nation, a place where they were safe and happy, to the lowest of lows, outlawed, hunted, killed, most of their kind, missing or dead, and now one of their greatest leaders, Cyclops, is on trial, facing a death penalty. I mean, the death penalty, really. Ready or not, the time has come for the X-Men to make their final stand against the forces that have struck them low. The day is now. The place is here. The tale of the house Xavier built will long be told, and few will forget this darkest chapter. From writer Jerry Duggan, you know him. From X-Men, Marauders, and Uncanny Avengers, and artist Lucas Warneck from Immortal X-Men and Trial of Magneto comes half of the story that will bring the Krakoa age to its conclusion. Oh boy. Yeah, this is only half of it. The Age of Krakoa begins its slow march to the grave with this first in a pair of minis running on opposite weeks in the same way the titles that birthed this era did. I'll give Fall this. It at least made sense, which is more than I can say for Matt's side of this cursed coin, but we'll talk more about that soon. This issue follows the start of the mutant's plan to strike back at Orcus, 
as well as the Trial of Cyclops in a scene that calls back to the iconic Trial of Magneto in Uncanny X-Men 200. Yeah. They even had Cyclops in his 80s kind of outfit yeah, I guess. with the pirate boots. I thought that was kind of nice. I mean, I'm not sure. Saying it was I'm just saying, I was like, just like ah. that issue was kick ass. <laughs> this one? No, I know, but like they, they're making a show of it. They right. actually talk about it in the comic because right. they took him to like The Hague or wherever Magneto was tried. And like it's a very symbolic thing that the humans are doing. There's also a ridiculous scene where Brokoa reminds us that it was once called the island that walks like a man. The tone is all over the place. Wernick's art isn't great. Yeah. I didn't love it in this issue. He's, he's and the whole thing. This. He's way better than this. I think he is. And the whole thing just falls flat. All that plus a cliffhanger that sure seems like it will cause more harm than good if it pays off the way it seems like it will. Marvel should have let Jonathan Hickman's mutant opus play out the way the writer intended, but it deserved a finale better than Fall of the House of X. I'm giving this a skim it because it's it's a resounding meh. It's not even terrible. It, like if there was if there was something to hate about it, that would be exciting. This is just mediocre. Okay, so conspiracy time. A couple months ago, uh -oh. when we started hearing this Tom Brevoort news, Tom Brevoort is moving from the Avengers office and he's going to take over X-Men and yeah, yeah. you'll find out more later. And then we find out it's getting relaunched in July. At that time, you have to wonder if Marvel came to Duggan and the crew and went, okay, guys, wrap it up. <laughs> and they went, well, we're kind of in the middle I mean, of something. They went, no, no, no. Wrap it up. Let's go. We want it finished because this is rushed. There's no question that I agree this that it's I, issue, I agree that it does seem rushed. Rushed as hell. And I'm when I talk but about I my it, issue, it, it, I'll go it deeper seems into it. It's weird this. that they would put the cart before the horse like that. I, I don't know. I, to would, announce to, to announce a relaunch before you have an exit plan. I don't know. But oh, we'll you kidding I mean, me? Marvel's done plenty of that stuff. As soon as they don't like sales, they're like, okay. <laughs> Let's fix it. I mean, you know, whip, get it out of here. We're good. I, I, I mean, look at the Captain America like stuff that we just dealt with last year, where they were like, okay, done, finished. Here's your one shot. The new cap is already on the stands. You know, like, and they force yeah. lands again. I mean, this is not I, the first time. Suppose. But this just Wernick's better than this. He's a much better artist than this. This feels rushed. Duggan is a better writer than this. He has not been writing these characters talking or acting this weird it, ever. Like Wolverine was plain Nimrod's, old like, Nimrod's dialogue. That? Nimrod's dialogue when it showed up on Krakoa. Yeah. Like made me laugh in disbelief. I was like, I can't. Like, I know that this version of Nimrod speaks like a human. Right. But it was so stilted like, Oh no, whatever shall I do? I'm encased in amber. And ah, Colossus you know, like, and I've been foiled. Colossus and Wolverine like reveling and murdering these guys and being like, I did like why the, do we call I it the like screwball? Because you're all screwed up afterwards. <laughs> what? What are we doing? I, I mean, no. yeah, the, this is a skim it yeah. at best because I feel like now that this car accident is happening in slow motion. I just got to sit here and see where it goes. Right. You know, like, yeah. okay, you've had me this the, long. I'll finish with you. Here we go. The the thing that keeps this from being a leave it is that it's coherent. Yes. Like nothing and falls flat on its I'm gonna face. It just put a pin in that thought for until later. Yes. Oh, until 
right now. As a matter of fact, I, I put these together on purpose. Yeah, baby. But whatever the challenge, whatever the peril, the X-Men will be there. New Comics Long Wednesday, January 10th. This week begins with Rise of the Powers of X. Number one, it starts immediately after the last page of this story. You can just like (laughs) flip into this book and go, wow, I can't believe the continuity. It's from Marvel. It's 40 pages. It's $5.99. It's written by Kieran Gillen, a writer that I love. It's a cover and art by R.B. Silva. Colors by David Curiel. Letters by VCs Clayton Cowles. Here's your solicit. The fight for Krakoa has been lost! Ten years ago, the mutants returned from their exile to try and reclaim the Earth from the forces of Orcus. They failed. Now, within the victorious Orcus, with their gauntlet choking the world, Nimrod and the Omega Sentinel put their plan within a plan into action. They are to summon their binary god to consume everything in their ascension. All that stands between them is the X-Men. What can they do? They're the X-Men. They'll find a way. That's their power. So it begins a story beyond time and space with the rise of powers beyond our petty human intelligence. It almost reads like Kieran Gillen wrote this solicit, knowing that this was rushed, and he's doing something meta by making fun of the people that forced him to come up with this idea as fast as possible. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, man. This is uh, from- but the second, the second, I know that this is a vi- uh, an audio uh an audio podcast, but the second you started talking about the binary God, I know like I started to rub, I started to like rub my temple. So like, I, ugh. again, I did not read the solicit before I agreed to review this book. So when I opened it, I went, Oh, Oh, wait, what? <laughs> I mean, it's just like the, it's just like house and powers from and look, the beginning conspiracy where continue. it's like one is in the future, whatever they even it from writer Kieran Gill and immortal X-Men uncanny X-Men and artist RB Silva powers of X and captain America symbol of truth. A book we just screwed last year with something similar by making them wrap it up early. So, I mean, look, the art's good. That's not the problem. I know comes half the story that will bring Krakoa to the age of conclusion. This is the other half. So let's start this review on a high note. RB Silva is incredible. And this yes, comic, I agree looks absolutely amazing. The guy is a legend. Yes. Probably one of the best artists at Marvel right now. Well done, sir. This is an amazing looking comic book. Kieran Gillen is an equally brilliant writer. And while this story and direction for the plot probably looked very clever while it was being fleshed out, the result is an incomprehensible mess masquerading as a way to tie up the entire Krokoan age in the neatest, tidiest way possible. And there's an AI god that I think put the sun out while four or maybe five different characters, three of which I couldn't even recognize, betray each other. Plus, if all this wasn't enough, it takes place 10 damn years in the future. The only right. thing I can say about this story's direction is this cannot have been the original plan. It can't. There's no I, way this was the original okay, plan. Okay, so hear me out. <laughs> hear me out. This whole thing with the Dominions and the AI takeover and all that, that does seem like it's straight out of the Hickman playbook. I'm not saying that's not. I'm saying this execution. Because his original story did have to do with 
the phalanx and the AIs. Totally like, agree. Uh, yeah. But there's no way we did. But this is, yeah, I mean, this was utter nonsense. Yes. And there's no way we did this much character development for the X-Men to just say what effectively looks like it's going to lead to doesn't count, didn't happen, doesn't matter. It's gone. Right. Bye. I'm giving this a leave it. I'm giving this a leave it because like, first of all, it's not what I wanted to read. Second, the X-Men are barely in it. I mean, like, seriously, this whole thing, I'm glad, the X-Men I'm are barely was, in this. I'm glad that there was a character key on the one of the text pages because otherwise I would not, other than Wolverine, I would not have known who we were Right, not reading. to mention the fact that like the some of the bad guys who are characters we do know had changed yeah. so violently in 10 years that they are now unrecognizable. And some had different names. <laughs> How are we to know? So you had to have this informational panel that says, oh, this person became this person and this person became, that's not storytelling, you guys. That's not storytelling. Right. And also like, here's a glossary for all the dumb shit we told you. That is Star Wars level storytelling apologies. Like, oh, it happened in a video game or it happened in a book. That's how they fix it. No, nope. You can't just draw a dotted line and go, yeah, that happened. I'm sorry, but this is a mess that I have to see where it ends up. Like I'm on board. I'm, I'm reading it. Oh yeah. I got to (laughs) see. And I'm going to give this a leave it as well with the caveat that, that I will read the whole series and, and give them a chance to tell a complete coherent story that makes sense that ties with the present day stuff in the other book and everything else going on with Orcus and uh, Iron Man and all that. But right now, the second anything has anything to do with like the dominion, eh, like the, my eyes glaze over. I, I'm like, no, I, what? No, I check out. Well, because and- it's so convoluted and I'm not saying like, look, I'm a smart guy. I like to think, I'm not saying I couldn't understand it given a chance, but it is so needlessly convoluted that you literally need a flow chart in every comic that they're mentioned in to understand what's going on. There is a flow chart in this comic. And I honestly think that Kieran Gillen is smart enough to know that and went, all right, you want me to wrap it up? Watch this. And we're just like, yeah, barf, smart stuff. There you go. (laughs) And you know, and, and like, look, and I'll even grant you that sometimes things that, Hickman is known for weaving complex, convoluted stories that do require charts and graphs. Sure. But he's good at it. He's good at it. Yeah, and for the most part, when it is all done, we're like, okay, I see where that went. If this is leading to what I think it's leading to, and we're going to touch on it again when we talk about Wolverine, then why did we waste any of our time with this? Why I, uh, yeah. it turns out, Oh, I could have skipped all of this because this is how it ends. Mm, neat. Thanks. Like if, if ultimately the story could have ended with Wolverine popping a claw into Moira's brain and resetting the timeline one final time, that's one issue or, or one that's like a two, a, a four issue mini, you know, uh, 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 an out that easy. Right, right. But now, no, now we've got 
omnipotent space gods from the far future and a version of Mr. Sinister that's not Mr. Sinister or uh, Dr. Stasis or Mother Righteous or Orbis Stellaris. He's allegedly the original Nathaniel Essex. And I'm like, what? And on top of that, we still have a situation where all we got to do is this thing and none of it exists. Really? Really? (laughs) Come on. I would like, I would rather it's not necessarily satisfying, but I would rather they just rip the bandaid off, have Wolverine cut her head off and then it's over. Well, instead of going through this, these motions, that seems, this is a leave it. I don't for think the record, that's ultimately where it goes, but they seem to be hinting. That's what we need. Yeah, to they do are hinting so. at it. Um, but yeah, if they stick the landing, it'll be a miracle. And yeah. I will, but I'll admit it if, and when it happens, but right now, woof. Yeah. So far it feels like this has fallen apart because it really feels like someone came in the office and went, Hey guys, we're done in two months. Okay. You cool with that? Thanks. See ya. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and you know what? A one last thought. Uh, about it since three we months, are I guess they're stretching this out. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one last thought about this since the, we're talking about the, the more main books here rather than Wolverine. I think that in the past and maybe in general among fandom, we have been quick to blame Hickman for leaving when really Hickman had a detailed plan, you know, with like benchmarks and yeah, and you know yeah. checkpoints like, and then in December we do this, and then in 2022 we do this. He's got to get all those and infographics said, ready. No. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Come on. And Marvel told him no. Yeah. Marvel said no. We just want to keep this rolling. Stretch it out. We want to keep it rolling. And Hickman, to his credit, said, "Hey, have fun." And he didn't burn his bridges with Marvel. He's still there, but doing gods, they're not which operating I don't think anybody off of cares about anymore. But he's doing it. God bless him. <laughs> I mean, we'll talk about one book. It's very pretty. God's is very pretty. I'll say that. Yeah. What a mess. What a mess. But yeah, don't blame Hickman. Blame Marvel. All right. How about a palate cleanser? Uh, I mean, it is by a guy who is also known for doing needlessly complicated time travel shenanigans with the X-Men, but I digress. It's masterpiece number two from Dark Horse written by Brian Michael Bendis. With art by Alex Maleev, colors by Ian Herring, letters by Josh Reed. It's 32 pages for $3.99, and here is your solicit. Emma is a brilliant young woman whose life was just turned upside down by a billionaire who says that her long-lost parents were, in fact, very famous thieves. They took the world's most famous billionaire for a cool billion before they disappeared, never to be seen or heard from again. And now he wants revenge. From her. Follow Emma as she enters into the world her parents left behind and comes face to face with the Paragon. All this brought to life by the amazing brush of Alex Maleev. Now, that may have sounded like the solicit for a first issue. And it was. It was also the solicit for this issue and the next issue. They are mixing it up for issue four. But four and five also have the same solicit. So I'm not sure what's going on there. I think it just got the sent legend, out twice by accident and nobody checks his shit. So they just three months in, in a row. Yeah. Same solicit. Nobody like, checks. I, I checked. Like, I checked each issue. <laughs> yeah. The legendary daredevil creative team of Brian Michael Bendis and Alex Maliva are at it again, working together like a well oiled machine. 
This time, it's a heist story of sorts, and I love heist stories. Emma, whose real name is Masterpiece, because her parents were very enamored with her, is way too smart for her own good. Hey, the Little Mermaid just named her kid Halo, so, you know, I mean, whatever. I mean, sure, whatever. (laughs) Uh, She's way too smart for her own good, and probably for the good of anyone else around her. This is an assembling the crew chapter, and it plays on a lot of very familiar heist tropes, which may seem a bit unoriginal, but I'm such a fan of the genre that I still really enjoyed it. I do hope that Bendis brings a little bit more depth to the individual characters soon, though. They're a little bit, you know, they're ciphers, kind of a little bit blank slates. Malieve's art is a beautiful kaleidoscope of shifting styles. He goes from like this paler version of the color palette when he's doing like the movie recreation scenes and then it shifts suddenly into this like Steranko pop art color dot explosion it's gorgeous he's playing with color a lot which yeah. is really cool yeah Bendis's indie work hasn't really resonated with me in recent years but I'm all in on this one at least so far Masterpiece number two gets up by it. I really liked it. I really like this too. And I feel like this is Bendis playing to his strengths. You know, that's, that's not to say that like, he's not good at a lot of things, but the Bendis that I grew up loving, like wrote a bunch of crime noir stuff, wrote a yeah. rad run of daredevil, you know, before he made the X-Men travel back in time and, you know, brought yeah, kids yeah. forward. I mean, you, know. you know, like, and that he was really good at that. I would argue better at that than even his new Avengers stuff, which I also enjoyed, you know, mm-hmm. this seems a little closer to his wheelhouse. May leave. I can just watch work all day. I don't care. I would, yep. I would watch may leave exercise like Dustin Weaver just did. I'm totally down. It's a beautiful looking book. It's a buy it from me. This is what Brian Michael Bendis should be doing. Not, I'm not trying to trap him anywhere and say, just give me no, no, this, no. Brian, I, you owe it to me. But like, look, man, this is your wheelhouse. You're good at this. It's kind of a back to his roots sort of situation. It is. And you know what? And I did, you know, I was a little bit down on his other indie work. There are things that he did that I did enjoy. Like I really liked Pearl, which started as a creator owned book at DC before moving with him. You liked Pearl more places. than me. You liked it more than I did. Pearl was pretty good. I like, I lost track of it. It was a little precious, you know, but yeah. I mean, yeah. but yeah, this, this, I read this and I was like, Oh, you know, this kind of, it feels like, you know, goldfish, AKA goldfish or yeah. jinx. Torso. One of like his that. kind of, uh, one, one of his OG old school kind of just like scrappy dudes doing crimes. Parents strongly caution, the following programs are intended for mature audiences over the age of 18. These programs may contain some material that many parents would not find suitable for children and may include intense violence, sexual situations, coarse language, and suggestive dialogue. Well, clearly Kitty's out of the room because this one has some adult situations. It's Wolverine 41 from Marvel. It's 28 pages for $4.99. I assume the extra buck is for all the blood and guts. It's written by Ben Percy and Victor Laval, with cover by Laniel Francis Yu, art by Jeff Shaw and Corey Smith, inks by Jeff Shaw and Oren Jr., colors by Alex Sinclair, and letters by VC's Corey Pettit. Here is your solicit. Sabretooth War begins here! That's what it says. Not the Sabretooth War, mind you. The most violent Wolverine story ever told! 
Get ready for the showdown to end all showdowns. Wolverine versus Sabretooth. It's been years. I mean, it's not called the Sabretooth War, so it just that's why it just says Sabretooth I mean, War. I guess it just sounds weird that way. It's it been years weird. since these heavy hitters have crossed paths in the Marvel Universe, but as Krakoa falls, so rises Sabretooth, and he's out for revenge. They threw Victor Creed in the pit. Pardon me. They threw Victor Creed in the pit. But he's free, and wielding an army of Sabretooths will prove once and for all why he is Logan's ultimate nemesis. Co-written by literary powerhouse Benjamin Percy, easy there, guys, who's working on Wolverine and Ghost Rider and Victor Laval. I'm sorry, which two books? Wolverine and Ghost Rider? I think you mean... Wolverine! Oh, sorry, because they're in all caps. Sorry, my bad. (laughs) And Victor Laval who worked on The Changeling, which is not in all caps, and Sabretooth, the miniseries, and drawn by artistic dynamos, Corey Smith, who worked on Conan the Barbarian and Ghost Rider, and Jeff Shaw, who worked on Weapons of Vengeance and Wolverine Patch. Don't miss the inaugural issue in this multi-shipping saga, okay, leading up to the landmark issue 50. Yeah, it means they're cranking them out. Yeah, they're like I we're guess. gonna get from forty-one to fifty right quick, big time. Well, we gotta tie um, this. We gotta boy, tie like this up, who, Joe. <laughs> who typed this out? I don't know. God damn! But we ain't like, got no nine months to finish. Cap? We got six months to finish before Trump, Tom Brevoort brings in Greg Capullo. Yeah. If Rise of the Powers of X was an incomprehensible mess, then I guess the first chapter of the Sabretooth War can only be called an incomprehensible bloody mess. <laughs> Why Sabretooth has an army of multiversal saber teeth and some don't have heads? Not important. It's comics, kids. Way weirder shit than this happens all the time. The thing that gets me is the level of violence here. Now, before you call me a scaredy cat, I am a documented horror nerd. I love good gore. But the violence here comes off as cartoonishly ridiculous. Smith and Shaw are good on art. Both their style has a very refined, kind of 90s look that brings a good, edgy look to the story. But it's a story that kind of loses me. Wolverine is having these precious moments with characters just to reinforce how sad and horrifying it is when the saber teeth ripped him apart. But like, it just comes off as silly. If the Krakoan storyline is going the way that the first issue of Rise of the Powers of the X suggests, then there's a solid chance that none of this counts, which could just make this an exercise in comic book violence, so they can call it the most violent Wolverine story of all time. So far, I am not impressed. What the hell is happening to the X titles? I'm going to give this a skim it. Because, like, look... There's some good art here. I love a Wolverine versus Sabretooth fight, but this was ridiculous. This was like laughably ridiculous. At no point I was like, oh, gross. You can't do that in a Marvel comic. I was like, no, this is what we're doing in a Marvel comic. (laughs) Like, really? (laughs) You know what? I can't believe it, uh, but I liked this more than you. I'm giving it a bite. Really? You didn't think this was silly? (laughs) I'm on. Well, sure. Of course it's silly, but that's what's good about it. I know I've got this kind of reputation and I'm not sure where it all came from. Like, yes, I'm a nice guy, but I love like ultra violent out of like over the top, ultra violent, like, you know, cartoonish violence. That's I'm, fun for me. I, I think do that's too. fun. I'm down. 
And so, and I'm like, I'm basically separating this from whatever's going on with the fall of Krakoa. I don't give a shit. Like Wolverine has always kind of stood its own ground in that regard. Yes, it is kind of woven in and, and dealt with things, but a lot of this Wolverine run, he's done his own thing. And I appreciate that. And so this storyline, like <laughs> it's weird and wild and crazy, like Sabretooth with the army of, of, of different versions of himself and, and all the, it, it's bizarre, man. And it takes some explaining. Like there was a Sabretooth miniseries not that long ago. And uh, there's been some stories that have built up to this. In, in true Marvel fashion, they do not mention those in this comic book. So if you're looking yeah, for I mean, it, kids, they kind of don't. Sorry. They kind of don't. <laughs> but there, there's a reason why Sabretooth there, has gotten to this place and why he's the way he is now. And uh, he's been, you know, he's out of the pit and into the real world and he's mad as hell and he's taking it out on everybody Wolverine loves. And it's fun. It, like, I, it's fun. I had fun. It's outrageous. It's over the top. It's so over the top that I almost feel like nothing we all that most of the deaths we see aren't going to stick. There's no way. That's my point. Like, it, this just feels like BS. This and like. They I mean, it's a roller coaster ride. Barely. Sometimes you like, pay, you know, it's cotton candy. It's popcorn. Like sometimes you're just paying for a ride. Look, and I don't this disagree. Is a ride. And there's rides that I enjoy when I do that, like Fast and Furious movies. You know, by the time we get to the end, I'm like, yeah, you know, whatever's stupid as hell. I had a great time. Then there's other things where I'm like, this is just a ride to have a ride. That's all this is, <laughs> you know? That's like, what the Fast and the Furious movies are I don't want to spoil anything. Too, Matt. They're just a ride to have a ride. But they're well executed. And then, and then... This is not well executed. Luke Chris pilots a, a car into space. On the record, I did not and care for some, that one. The next one then, made up for it, okay? Sure. And then sometimes a Sabretooth uh, chops an alternate reality version of Cyclops's head in half and makes a joke calling him Biclops. You know, it's dumb. It's dumb. Yeah. I, I, just, I, I thought it was fun. It's a buy it. It's, yeah, it's silly. It's crazy. Will any of it matter? I doubt it. But no, no. They're going to wipe this as a As a palate cleanser to all of the other ridiculous nonsense going on in the regular X titles. I'm this shocked. Will, this felt like a breath of fresh air. Like, I am I, I was, shocked. Okay, this was a good. It was I, a good time. I've been reading Ben Percy's Wolverine, and I've really enjoyed it. And this feels like a, a departure. It just feels. It like is a markedly more violent. Like it's well, not even that. This is maybe, I mean, like this is the this is probably the goriest mainstream Marvel comic I've ever. Read. Oh, hands down. But you said like, oh, you know, like I, I mean, it feels separate from the other stuff. I don't think it does. They're in a green pod in the North pole hiding I mean, yes, because the Orcus has outlawed everyone, there, but it's not and like, every, there's, <laughs> I get it, man. Sage it, is here. Like, this is like a, a continuation of X force almost. He exists in that space, but it, that's what, not what this book is about. So when he and comes so, to like, Dokken yeah. and he's like, you're my boy and I love you, my boy, my boy, you know, like you were like, yeah, that's Wolverine being Wolverine to his son, Akihiro, I mean, who is now called, they, Fang. What, fang who does not have fangs <laughs> like whatever fang, he's the new like, fang he's got, right the, he's got that felt like your wolfie he's got the fang you know we talked about this he's he got the he was awarded the fang costume by i know I'm not, i don't care about that i'm talking about yeah. their in that interaction which was so precious which wolverine never does I mean, whatever dude they've got a different relationship since you Krokoa. do something like that 
is to say, next panel, he's going to get hacked. I mean, yeah, that guy's going to buy it. <laughs> like, okay. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> yeah, maybe. It's but, cheap. Look, man, it's cheap, I don't care. Like, Percy has not was, been doing cheap shit like that in this run. That's all I'm saying. This was a bucket of popcorn or a box of milk duds at a dumb movie. It was a good time, a fun roller coaster ride. It's super violent. Oh, my God. I think it was a bucket uh, of fake blood that looks too obviously fake. It's almost like that. Like, that's not the point, right? It looks fake. And I get no, that. no, no, no. What but I'm saying is like when, when you have a really gory movie, but you're taken out of like the gory scene because you're like, well, that looks like ketchup, you know? <laughs> like that's what I mean. It's right, like everything we're doing I, just feels but fake my and manufactured. Is that, but my argument is that I wasn't taken out of it because of how over the top it was. Anyway, it's a it's a your mileage may vary situation. I liked it. It's a buy. Not to be outdone, DC counters Wolverine with the goriest Superman comic ever presented. It's Action Comics number 1061 from DC. I was taken by Jason Aaron. The Moms of Liberty. (laughs) Oh, they're going to lose their shit over this one. There's going to be, oh man, there's going to be marching in the streets. Art is by John Timms. Uh, Colors are by Rex Lotus. I had to look that up on the internet because there is no credits page anywhere in this comic. Uh, And so the inks and the letters are by question mark. But I can tell you. It's 40 pages for $4.99. Here's your solicit. Jason Aaron writes Superman for the very first time, teaming up with all-star artist John Timms to present a startling new vision for the Man of Steel's strangest foe. When Superman's doppelganger discovers a dark secret about himself, it unleashes the most dangerous version of Bizarro the world has ever seen. Quick note for all you bibbleheads out there, Mr. Babowski appears in this issue, so completists should be sure to add it to their collection. Yeah, this one's otherwise you're going to regret it next week when it's yeah. $200 on eBay. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> DC's new Superman Superstars initiative kicks off with a bang with Jason Aaron's super debut and the outstanding art of John Timms, formerly of Young Justice and Superman, son of Kal-El. Bizarro's got a brand new bag. He's rampaged across the fabled sorcerer's world in a quest for power, making the super opposite a terrifying threat in a way that never occurred to me before. Aaron has a strong grasp on the cast's voices and he's definitely got Bizarro speak down pat. I hate Bizarro speak. Hate it. It drives me nuts. <laughs> I don't mind it. I don't mind it. I hate it. But like, like that's I'm him, okay. you know, like, like I hate the demon when he rhymes for some reason. It's like, you can't rap. Just stop, uh, dude. But like yeah, Bizarro, yeah. I kind of love. <laughs> like if, like if he talked, if he talked like dumb Hulk from the seventies, like Bizarro is sad. Like, that would be fine. I'd be fine with that. But the Bizarro am happy. It's all backwards, sad. Joe. I hate that shit. It's I all it. backwards. That's the thing. I hate it. I can't believe I have to explain this to you. <laughs> no, I know how it works. I just don't like it. I mean, explain why it's great. The only thing is that while he's going about it in a new way, Bizarro's ultimate plot is one we've seen many times before. But I'll trust Aaron to put a fresh spin on it before it's all said and done. I think Superman Superstars, a series of arcs by rotating teams of big name creators, is a neat idea. And Jason Aaron is an obvious pick. Action Comics 1061 isn't quite the explosive start I was expecting, but it's still really good. And I'm on board for whatever Aaron and Tim's have in store. I'm giving this 
I'll buy it. I really like that they're doing this without just like, and here is another Superman mini called Superman Superstars. Wait, like they're just doing yeah. it in the pages of action comics. Right. That is awesome. And I kind of liked that this is just an issue of Superman. It's a really good issue of Superman. It didn't have What's to be. What's more, I think that this arc, I think Aaron's arc is only like three issues. Yeah, it is. It's only three issues. But I, I really like that they're just like, hey, I'm going to show up and tell a Superman story. Great, Jason Aaron. Thank you. Do it. It doesn't have to be a, a bold new direction and a bold yeah. new idea. Jason Aaron makes Superman a gangster in the 20s, you know, or some bizarre shit, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's just Jason Aaron telling a great Superman story with absolutely kick-ass art by John Timms. That dude is unstoppable. Like, I like him very much. Born to draw super stories. <laughs> I want I to totally trap agree. him in this box because he's so good at it. This is a huge buy. I loved it. And I love Bizarro yeah, it's, speak. It's very good. And it's, I'll, it's I'll take it a step fun. further. When Superman talks Bizarro speak to Bizarro, I love that even more. <laughs> I love it. It's a nice touch where he tries to get on Bizarro's yeah. wavelength. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's a nice touch. I just personally, I, hate, I fucking hate Bizarro talking. Me, I'm hero. Here to destroy. No. Me, save Metropolis. Me, I'm real Superman. Me, make Earth unsafe for Bizarro. My palate cleanser for the week goes to Acid Chimp versus Business Dog one shot, I think. I can't see them making a whole series out of yeah, this, but it doesn't say I, one shot. Yeah, no. This is from Ahoy. It's 32 pages for $3.99. This is written by Bryce Ingman and Mark Russell, covered by Steve Pugh, art by Peter Krause and Steve Pugh, colors by Chris Chuckry, with letters by Rob Steen. Here's your solicit. Ahoy's breakout animal stars come muzzle to muzzle in this fifth anniversary one shot. It is a one shot. There we go. Business dog from billionaire Island controls the wealth of nations. Acid chimp from my bad has been abducted by crooks who want to kill the canine trillionaire with corrosive acid. And why wouldn't he? Splashing acid is the only thing that Acid Chimp enjoys <laughs> by the superstar <laughs> creative teams of both books, including multiple award winner Mark Russell. I'm pretty sure that Acid Chimp, in reading this, like I read my bad and I really like it, and Acid Chimp is just funny there, but the way that they're sort of like talking about Acid Chimp in a more meta sense and the way that they frame him with business dog, I think acid chimp is supposed to be sort of like an homage to the Joker type insane villains out there. We're like, he's just crazy and he loves it. <laughs> you know, like, well, sure. But he's just obsessed with one thing and that is throwing acid on stuff. <laughs> yeah, obviously. And business dog is an obvious homage to the billionaire morons that seem to steer our economy today. Welcome to hell. You know, that's just how it goes. It's nice to have a palate cleanser after reading two mind-boggling X, three mind-boggling X comics, I'm going to say. Russell and Ingman are just having fun here with two side characters. And if you're not reading My Bad and Billionaire Island, you're truly missing out on some of the funniest and most intelligent meta takedowns of comics and modern capitalism on the stands. Pew and Krause's styles mesh so well that it's hard to notice where one stops and the other begins, and the comic just looks amazing thanks to both of their cartooning skills and hilarious chimp faces. I don't know if I could take another comic that takes itself so damn serious this week, so thank you, Acid Chimp versus Business Dog. You saved <laughs> Matt Bomb. I am giving this a buy it. It just... 
does the job. <laughs> you know what I mean? I totally agree. I, I, I love this comic. I, I'm not up on my bad, but I do love billionaire Island. And so this is just a fun, it's a fun romp, man. Like you don't have to think too hard about it. It's like you said, if you've got dominions on the brain or if you're wondering how Wolf, uh, how Sabretooth could have spelled that many uh, letters with the number of body parts he had on hand, you know, if, you, if you're bogged down by the sheer weight of all of the X crises that are happening, read this book. It's just fun. Yeah. It's fun. Who can resist watching Trillionaire Island pick the next mega stock by putting food in a bowl and him eating out of one of them and not the other? <laughs> it's yeah. great. Yeah. Like that's and- probably going to happen next month on CNN, folks. So, <laughs> <laughs> uh, and I, I like, I love business dog, like sunning himself by the pool, wearing that old style onesie, yeah. swimming, swimming onesie. Yeah, he's, he's a like fancy a, business yeah. dog. Come on. He makes a ton yeah, he's of money. A fancy, he's a fancy lad. I get it. Okay. I, I feel like we've been through the ringer. So let's wrap things up with Ultimate Spider-Man number one from Marvel. It's written by Jonathan Hickman with art by Marco Ticetto. Not sure why there's a question mark there. Yeah, I was going to say. It's definitely by him. <laughs> no, yeah, I'm not sure what happened there. Colors by Matthew Wilson. Letters are by VC's Corey Pettit. He got a two for this week. 48 pages for $5.99, and here's your solicit. The new Ultimate Spider-Man for a new Ultimate Universe! Visionary writer Jonathan Hickman of House of X and Powers of Ten and acclaimed artist Marco Cicchetto from Daredevil bring you a bold new take on Spider-Man with this, the debut title of the new line of Ultimate Comics. After the events of Ultimate Invasion, the world needs a hero who will rise up to take on that responsibility. Prepare to be entangled in a web of mystery and excitement as the all-new Ultimate Spider-Man comic redefines the wall crawler for the 21st century. Jonathan Hickman grabbed his passport and hopped from Krakoa to the Ultimate Universe, and this issue picks up right after the events of his reboot of the universe in Ultimate Invasion. 20 years ago, the world was robbed of its heroes by an insane genius called the Maker. But now it's time for things to be set right. Unexpectedly, this entire issue is devoted to establishing Peter Parker's new status quo as a married father. There's a whole lot more to it than that, but I'll avoid those spoilers. There's there's a lot to unpack. Hickman explores familiar relationships in completely new ways, and it is so compelling. There are some niggling little continuity questions that I think Hickman got kind of wrong. But they're so inconsequential that they are easy to ignore. Like, I know that that seems ridiculous when we're talking about the Ultimate Universe, but the reset button happened at a certain point. And so things that happened before that point should have matched, and they don't. Anyway, but it's little stuff. Well, nobody should So maybe, who knows? Who knows? (laughs) I mean, yeah, maybe, maybe, maybe. I don't know. For the first time in a really long time, maybe since the dawn of X, I felt a true sense of newness in these pages. By the time the conflict is explained and the moment of Peter's heroic transformation arrives, the pump is beyond primed. I wrote the prime is beyond pumped. The pump is beyond primed. 
Marco Cicchetto has made the jump from Daredevil and his art has never looked better. This comic book is gorgeous. I was already tentatively excited about the Ultimate relaunch after Ultimate Invasion, but after reading Ultimate Spider-Man number one, I can't wait to see what's next. I'm giving this a huge buy it. Yeah, it's primed up my pump. Let me tell you what. I Okay, imagine you are Marvel editorial and Hickman comes to you and he's like, Ultimate Invasion. And they're like, we love it. I can't believe you want to do that. And he's like, yeah, I'm crazy. And they're like, kick ass. And they're like, do you want to write any more after it? And he's like, you bet I do. Ultimate Spider-Man. And they go, kick ass. Yes. Do it, Jonathan Hickman. And he's like, stay with me. Spider-Man is not in the first issue. And they go, uh, oh, okay. I'm like, no, but. Spot, I mean, but, I guess. But Peter's an old guy and he's got a family now and he's just sort of a working stiff. And like, uh, yeah. oh, okay. <laughs> now, with that said, nails it, pulls it off. At first, I was kind of like, where are we going here? Like, is this all we're doing? You know, I, uh, but it's so well executed. I ended up loving it. And I am just a fool for a good last page. If you've got a good last page, I will read just about anything you're doing. And this last page, man, they made you earn it. They absolutely made you earn it. And I can hear a bunch of nerds out there going, nothing happened. Are you kidding? Spider-Man's not even in the book. Fuck off. Like you're an idiot. Okay. Go pick up Wolverine 41. You'll fucking love it. All right. (laughs) Yeah. This is a buy it. This is a massive buy it. This is the antithesis. I hope they let Hickman do his thing. That's, that's where I'm at now. Just let him do his thing guys. Because otherwise we end up in a house size mess. So buy it for me. I mean, I guess the, the saving grace, at least as far as we know, after one issue is that the world that we are now reading about isn't so completely different in the way that the Krakoa era is different than what came before. Sure. And, and so if Hickman sure. bails or if Marvel decides they don't want to follow his roadmap, at least it's still sort of a normal kind of place. Yeah. And and look, if they do decide like, we're going to do it just like the old ultimate one, we're going to tell all the same stories with a slight twist. And like, that's your fault. Okay, Marvel, you should have learned. That shit is not going to work this time. No, It's not. The blob better eat the wasp, though, or I'm out. (laughs) You can find the links in our show notes for more details on these comics, but now it's time to pick the least confusing or upsetting title that we read this week and name it the best of the pile. Matt, which comic are you adding to the THN permanent collection? I'm going to give it to Ultimate Spider-Man because it's great. It's just great. And Hickman took a real chance and I'm hoping they're letting him work. And I hope this is their, hey, Jonathan, we're sorry. We're sorry about that thing we did at the X-Men. You may do whatever you want. (laughs) Okay. I mean, I I don't think Marvel has. You know what? We'll let you put out gods. We'll let you put out gods. You can do it. (laughs) We're sorry. I I mean, like, I don't know what it's about. I don't know if anybody's going to like it, but we're sorry. (laughs) I totally agree. I like I wasn't worried. I know that we were very cautious about the ultimate relaunch when they announced it. And then we were feeling a whole lot better after we read Ultimate Invasion. And when they announced that Hickman was going to be writing the Spider-Man title, I knew it was going to be good. Like, I just knew. But 
this is a completely different take on Spider-Man, and I don't want to say anything more about it because it's so refreshing, the changes that they've made. It's a huge buy. It, it goes in the collection for me. It's the best thing I read this week. It may be the first review show of the year, but I am already exhausted. Joe, let's head up to the THN Sanctum Sanctorum where we can meditate on our bed of nails and make our picks for next week's comics. We've got quite a list here. DC's Beast World continues in Nightwing 110 and Titans 10 over Dynamite. Garth Ennis is taking the reins on James Bond with a new series. I'm not going to mention Cobra Commander because that's your pick. Chip Zdarsky gets a future Avengers story with Avengers Twilight and Joe... Mary Jane finally gets a gang war tie-in. How fired up are yes! you? <laughs> Any of these titles make your pick for next new comic day, January 17th. That depends. Is Avengers Twilight about the Avengers becoming sparkly vampires? I don't know. They are in the future, though. So, who knows? Mm, we got a vampire okay. event coming up real quick here, so maybe. Well, that's true. Okay, fingers crossed. But <laughs> for now, my pick for next week is Cobra Commander number one from Image Comics. It's written by Joshua Williamson with art by Andrea Milana. It's 40 pages for $4.99. Here's your solicit. Miniseries premiere. All regular case words. Oh, thank yeah. you, Image. We don't, we, yeah, thanks, Image. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> the rise of Cobra begins here. In a world where the Cobra organization hasn't formed, one man's sinister plans to utilize the mysterious alien substance known as Energon sends shockwaves across the globe. Who is Cobra Commander? Where does he come from and what horrors is he planning to unleash that will rock the world and maybe the universe to its core? Red Hot Rider, Joshua Williamson from Superman and Duke. And artist, Andrea Milana from Impact Winter, colon, Rook. I don't know what that is, but okay. Oh, yeah. Kick off the second of four action-packed miniseries that will introduce the best and worst humanity has to offer in the Energon universe. Ooh, I wonder what the other two are going to be. That's exciting. I didn't know that there was going to be four. I'm very excited about the G.I. Joe relaunch. Uh, Skybound has proven that these properties are in good hands. The G.I. Joe relaunch by Daniel Warren Johnson is going very strong. Uh, we talked a whole lot about it last week on our Golden Beppos. Duke number one was excellent by Williamson and Tom Riley. Uh, I'm very excited for this. I, Yeah, can't wait. I agree. Matt, what's your pick for next week? Looks awesome. My pick for next week is John Constantine, Hellblazer, colon, pardon me, John Constantine, comma, Hellblazer, colon, dead in America, number one. This is from DC. It's 32 pages, 499, written by Cy Spurrier and art by Aaron Campbell. Joe, we did it. We won. We got Cy Spurrier and Campbell back on Hellblazer. We did it. Yeah. It seemed like a week everybody was claiming that they did stuff on the internet and like DC Marvel. No, I'm like, happy to take credit. Well, I'm all for taking credit. Yeah. It's like, hey, good job, Matt. Here's your solicit. At last, as Joe and Matt demanded, the celebrated <laughs> creative team of Cy Spurrier and Aaron Campbell have returned to Hellblazer. John Constantine has cheated death once again, but his heart's not beating. His body is decaying, and he, his friend Nat, and his son Noah are on the run in America. Wanted for murder. Naturally, it's all John's fault. It always is. But as it turns out, Dream himself needs John's help. Something terrible has taken root in America, and it's using the sand from Dream's pouch to impose its will. 
If John can put a stop to it, he might be able to parlay that favor into a chance to save all their lives. But he's going to need help from someone he hasn't spoken to in years. Someone he wasn't always all that kind to. Definitely Chaz. Someone or some thing. Come on. Figure it out. Do the math here. It's a swamp thing. Come on. I didn't read ahead. I didn't read ahead. (laughs) Even Chaz are buddies. (laughs) They even capitalized the T for the dummies in the audience. Size Prayer and Aaron Campbell's first run in Hellblazer was the best-reviewed comic of 2020. Okay. Reintroducing the characters to a new generation and their second act told an extra-length 28-page issues is ambitious and unmissable. I loved that first run. I, I It feels like John Constantine being John Constantine again, and I'm happy to have more of this. Aaron Campbell, fan friggin' tastic If you didn't read the first series, you might want to before you pick this one up so we understand why we're where we're at. I don't know if it's going to be a great jumping on point. But I am fired up for more. I mean, I think that's sage advice. Yeah, uh, I agree. I'm looking forward to this. the The last run was a lot of fun, and we are big Spurrier fans around here. Aaron Campbell is an awesome artist. I'm just happy they put the word Hellblazer back in the title. It was there in the last one too. Yeah, I know. I'm just yeah. like, hey, thanks, good job, guys. The THN trade for next week is Incredible Hulk Volume 1, Age of Monsters. It's from Marvel Comics. It's written by Philip Kennedy Johnson. That's Philip with one L, in case you were wondering. Art by Nick Klein. That's Nick with a C and no K, in case you were wondering. These guys are fancy. It's 168 pages for $19.99. Here's your solicit. A new Age of Monsters. As an enraged Hulk tries to take permanent control of the body he shares with Bruce Banner, a mysterious immortal turns every monster on Earth against him in an attempt to free their creator, the primordial mother of horrors. With the help of an unlikely new friend, Banner must stop the world from being plunged into darkness, and his journeys take him from an abandoned coal mining town that gives terrifying new meaning to the term ghost town, to swamplands where a sultry seductress lures unsuspecting victims into her trap. What is her connection to Marvel's macabre muck monster? And will the Hulk burn at the man-thing's touch? Plus, a documentary crew on the Hulk's trail gets too close to the action. This collects Incredible Hulk 2023, 1 through 5, and Hulk Annual 2023, number 1. Now, Again, if you listen to last week's Golden Peppa show, it will come as no surprise to you why we picked this for the trade of the week. This is your chance. If you haven't been reading The Incredible Hulk, do so now. Remedy that error. Catch up, dummies. This, this book is book. great. It is so good. We love talking about new comics with you nerds, and we love hearing about what you're reading and what you think we should be reading. Not just like reviewing, but hey, Joe and Matt, are you reading this? Let us know over in our Discord and be sure to put these comics on your pull list if you want to read along with us because we're going to review them in our next new comic show. It's going to happen. Um, yeah, I think that's a safe bet. <clears throat> Before we file this episode in the back issue bin where it will surely never sell for its marked up value, 
it's time for a sneak peek at our Patreon Extra that you can get access to when you support THN for as little as $1 per month. Welcome, patrons, to another exciting edition of Nerd TV. See, Joe and I don't just read comic books. Sometimes when they make TV shows out of comic books, we watch those, too. So our life is varied. Yeah. We're not just trapped in a singular box. We do all We live full and varied existences. We contain multitudes. Echo premiered on Disney Plus this week. It was a show that we were a little worried about, as I recall. Last time we talked about this character in Hawkeye, Joe Patrick had said he didn't know how interested he was in seeing the further adventures of this character. Yeah, I mean, I don't think worried is the right word. I think ambivalent is more accurate because I'm not really a fan of Echo the character in the comics. Fair. There was a time where I was. There was it like when, let's talk about Echo in the comics for a second, just to separate yeah, okay. it from this. If we Echo. must. No, but like there was a time where Echo was an interesting character and she was introduced as a foil yeah. to Daredevil yes. working for the Kingpin, which is very similar to the character on the show. But she had this ability where she could sort of like not a, a superpower, not a superpower. We'll get to that right. in a second. Not a superpower, but she had an ability where she could sort of read people's body the way that you and I would read a book because she was deaf. So she learned to do things differently and it made her fighting right. techniques. You know, it's completely badass. It's kind of, it's kind of similar in a way to the Cassandra Kane Batgirl when she was introduced. Yeah. She's a girl that was raised without language. Right. And her language was violence. And so that's what made Batgirl such an effective fighter is that she reads body language as though you're speaking full sentences to her and announcing your intentions. Yes. And Echo was sort of like that. Echo Echo could watch, like, she, like, poured over videotape footage of, like, Captain America battles and Shang-Chi, you know, footage well, from and, whatever. And Daredevil. Kingpin and had her- Kung Fu movies. And, right. and so she had all of these- it's like a photographic memory. Sort of it's like, like she imprinted on these yeah, skills. Sort of like Taskmaster, yeah. but not to the point of superpowers like Taskmaster. Well, like she has. worked at it. She had to she had to work at it. Right. He just can he can just do it because he's a mutant. But yeah. Uh, is he a so, mutant? Yes. Is the Taskmaster a mutant? It is. Taskmaster is a mutant with uh, the, the ability of photographic reflex. No shit. Is, I did not know that. Okay. Yeah. Uh so yeah, Echo is. Echo is sort of like that. And in the comics, she was introduced, like Matt said, uh, she was a protege of the Kingpin, um, sort of raised, not quite raised by him after the death of her father. Uh, she blamed uh, people for his death when ultimately it was revealed that Kingpin was responsible. It's all very similar to what we saw in Hawkeye. Um, and then, you know, she went on to become an Avenger and gain the Phoenix Force and all kinds of dumb shit. Yeah. No, okay. so, like when we first met her, uh, she was Ronan in the pages of New Avengers. We didn't know it. It was a No, real- no, we when we first met her, it was in that David Mack story. Oh, you're in, right. Uh, Dare- Bendis is Dare- yeah. It was Daredevil volume two, number nine. And then later she's Ronan for a while in New Avengers. But when we first met her, she was a great yeah, was. character. She was really cool. And David Mack was doing these beautiful, beautiful covers of her. I really liked her. Now, flash forward to Hawkeye. Yeah. I liked the character in Hawkeye. I thought she I was agree. really well handled, a good part of the story, like the whole thing where we know Hawkeye was Ronan for a little bit. And they revisit that in this show. They go back and revisit a lot of like, okay, 
for those of you who either don't remember or weren't paying attention or didn't watch Hawkeye, Hawkeye killed her dad. When he was Ronan, he was hired. Except it wasn't. He was framed. I thought. No, he killed him. He wasn't hired because he wasn't for hire, but maybe he was put on his trailer. This was part of the problem we had with the Hawkeye show. We were like, why is he doing that? (laughs) (laughs) But he was, he was Ronan uh, after the events of infinity war, when he lost his family and went kind of on a crazy kill spree, regardless of how it happened, he kills, he stabs dad, hops out the window. She follows and they have a discussion where he says to her, like, speak sign language and says, you're like me. You're controlled by rage and yada, yada, yada. What you don't know is the kingpin hired me to kill your dad. Your boss hired me to kill your dad. And she's like, ah, at which point she turns on the kingpin. That's, this all happened in Hawkeye. We saw. Okay. I mean, again, like it's splitting hairs, but he wasn't hired because Ronan wasn't an assassin. He was like a punisher type with okay. a sword. He does say that though. <laughs> but he was, no, he doesn't. He, he was put on, he in was the put scene, on Papa said, Lopez's trail. In the scene, he and says, it, it was your boss hired me to kill your dad. He doesn't say hired. He said your boss wanted him dead. Exactly. That is it for THN 727. If you dig our new comic reviews, check out our YouTube channel where you can subscribe to each show separately. Maybe you hate the back issue stuff. That's fine. I get it. Or maybe you hate new comics and you just want to hear us talk about back issues. You can do that. Maybe you just want to hear the gang. It's there. Or you can listen to them as podcasts on YouTube music. Crazy. I know. Next week, the Back Issue Show returns. The Cosmic Longbox is watching Echo with us, and it wants us to delve into the love life of Mr. Matt Murdock. So we'll be exploring the many loves of Daredevil. If you need more THN in the meantime, join us for the Gang Hang Saturdays at 11 o'clock Central. Check out our Discord for details. Joe Patrick, what else can these jerks do on our Discord? You can get in on the action before we uh, even uh, air uh, the that show. That was a test. There's no jerks allowed. You were supposed to call it out. Come on. Oh, sorry. <laughs> Dang, I messed. I messed up. You can get in on the action before we even air the show with our episode discussion thread. Marvel at the costume reveals for the Madam Web movie. Courtesy of Ocean Spray, the hey. juice company for some reason. I hope she talks about it nonstop. She's like, in the oh, movie, like nonstop I've been ocean shot. spray. Does anyone have an ocean like spray? I'm so thirsty. I'm, my web powers are weakening. I need an ocean spray. I need a cran apple. And you can catch up on the recent CGC grading scandal. Lots of stuff going on there. Or maybe you just want to answer the question of the week. This week's question is all about you. We are currently in the middle of our 13th annual Listener's Choice Awards. We want to know your picks for the best comics and creators of the year. You can go to the question of the week thread for a list of categories. You can make up your own dang categories. I don't care. We do need your question of the week suggestions, so keep those coming. And sign up for our Discord with the link at twoheadednerd.com slash discord. Once you're allowed in... No jerks allowed. You can post about any of our segments there or send an MP3 submission for the comic pushers or for Ask a Nerd or whatever to twoheadednerd at gmail.com and we will put you on the show. If you're new to this show and you wish someone would hack all our limbs off and spell something funny with them, I assure you it's only because you haven't heard enough. The good news is you can hear the entire run of THN in our digital longbox archive at twoheadednerd.com 
THN is a listener-supported podcast. It wouldn't be possible without the generosity of donors like our patron, Mark Stern. Sounds like a very serious guy. Actually pretty lighthearted and fun to hang out with. Yeah, I assure you, he is not. Yeah, we don't get to pick our last name. If you like what you hear every week, it's easy to support the show. You can sign up to be a patron at patreon.com backslash two-headed nerd. Before we go, our weekly shout-out goes to Ian Mondrick, Fellhound, and everyone that showed up for the inaugural session of the Indie Comics Salon. It's still in our future as we record this. Oh, actually, it's happening right it's now. It's happening right on now. Our we're, Discord, we're missing on it. On the THN Discord. We're missing it to provide content for you. Uh, but we can only assume that it was a tremendous success that will lead to many more salons to come. Word to you, Ian, Fell, and all the listeners that attended again to join the Indie Comics Salon. Just stay tuned to the Discord for an announcement and head to the Indie Comics Salon voice channel. It's that easy. We got a whole new Discord-only show. We're building an empire. This is ridiculous. Absolutely We should really be more successful. Somebody should stop us. Until next time, true believers, remember to pre-order your comics or... You may think your retailer has something nice to say, but it sounds kind of funny the way they're wording it. Turns out they're using bizarro speak, and you're not going to like what they mean. This is the Two-Headed Nerd, signing off. <laughs>